Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from HarperCollins, presenting The Angel of Rome by Jess Walter, a stunning collection of tender and brilliant stories about the moments when life changes you, for the better or the worse. I met the Angel of Rome on a cool autumn evening in the year of my reinvention, 1993. I was what you might call a work in progress then, a shy, sheltered 21-year-old in Europe for the first time with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to study Latin at the Vatican. That's Eduardo Ballerini reading from The Angel of Rome, the latest story collection by best-selling author Jess Walter. A starred Kirkus review says that you should prepare for delight, and you should. The Angel of Rome by National Book Award finalist Jess Walter. Available now wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are at Tiffany's apartment in Rome. Can you describe like what area we're in? We are pretty much on the very, very edge of the city, technically within the city limits, but, uh, but barely, sort of west by northwest. Yeah, somebody asked me recently what direction you live in in the city, and I, and I said, uh, well, actually, I don't know, because whenever I come out to your house, I, I go into a, a metro subway, and I just arrive out here, and so I have no idea which direction I'm heading. Yeah, yeah north by north, west by northwest, I would say, if, you look, if you're looking on a map. If you've been following along ever since I got to Rome, the curse of this visit continues if we sound a little different than we did in the last episode, you heard us, and it's because my very fancy, very expensive shotgun mic uh, decided to break, and luckily, the recorder I'm taping it with has an internal mic in it, otherwise we would have been totally screwed on this trip. Totally, yeah. I mean, maybe, I think, you know, we started the podcast here in Rome with that mic. Maybe she was like, I've come home. It's time to go. (laughs) Leave me here. I've done my my work. I I need to go to rest now. I know. It's true. It's a a bit of a sad day. Our our original microphone is is no more. And unfortunately, it will mean that we'll have to buy a brand new one. So that's fun. But um, because it's my it's my traveling mic. It's not my at home recording mic. And also adding a little bit of mystery is that Aurelio, which is why we're recording at your house, has now fallen under the weather. Yes. Yesterday came home from school with a fever and a bad headache. And the fever got worse as the night went on. And COVID test was negative this morning, but you never know. It can take a few days for it to show up as positive. So we're keeping him at home. We're keeping him under wraps, but not ideal. Not (laughs) ideal. It's like it really is this trip is uh, doing everything it can to make it difficult for us to make new episodes. But we are persevering. And today we're going to tackle some listener requests when I was coming over here, you put up some social media posts and we also said on the show, send us emails, tell us on social media what it is that you want us to talk about or what it is you want us to do while we're here. And the vast majority of you said that you wanted food and wine 
recommendations. <laughs> because we are such experts in that arena. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, so we're going to read a couple of the emails. I don't really want to dig through social media to dig those out. But anyway, let's just say this was a this was a big request. Okay. So let's start with one of the emails. So Susan writes, Tiffany and Katie, where are the spots with the best gelato and sorbetto in Rome? This is essential information for tourists visiting Rome in the summer. Four to six locations would be enough in different parts of town. I'm a fool for good um, sorbetto al limone. My husband likes sweeter gelato flavors, usually a combination of dark chocolate and a fruit flavor. I'll make an exception and order gelato if coffee flavor is available and it tastes like strong coffee. If this is not a topic that is long enough, I would suggest wine bars. I appreciate wine bars that feature local and regional wines. To me, part of soaking up local ambiance is sitting with a glass of wine, slowly enjoying it, and observing the neighborhood goings-on. I have revealed a couple of my vices, haven't I? Have a wonderful reunion. Yes, thank you so much, Susan. Uh, I agree that having a good glass of wine and watching the people go by is a fun way to spend some time in Rome. And I'm one of those really, really cheap dates where yesterday, <laughs> yesterday for the first time I was sitting outside, it was hot out, and I was given a chilled glass of red wine for the first time. Now, normally you wouldn't think of red wine as being chilled, but oftentimes in Rome they'll serve it to you cold. And it was so refreshing really? <laughs> in that moment. Yeah, it was so refreshing. Okay, uh, let's do one other email. Okay, this is from another listener, uh, Darlene, who actually I interviewed, as you know, if you're a listener to the show. Okay, she said, I wanted to quickly write while listening that I would love an episode where you cover cool, non-touristy things to see in Rome, such as where is the best cafe or local restaurant? Where is the best low-key bar to meet your friends? So, and again, it's like, where should we go? Where are the cool low-key spots? Where are the places that are the insider tips on where to go? So, specifically gelato and wine, but also just where to go. I actually had a question about gelato before we get to actual recommendations. What is first, the chicken or the egg? Like, is gelato a thing in Rome because it's come to be expected as a thing in Rome? Or like in Italy, you come to eat, one of the things you think of is I, I have to eat a gelato while I'm there. Or was gelato like a thing that was such a big thing culturally in Italy that that's why, do you know what I'm saying? That that's why it's like a, it became an imperative. Is it popular because it's so good and that's why it became famous? Or it, it was it just such a part of culture that it became good because, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite getting you. No, I'm, more, I'm more like... <laughs> Like, was it a big thing before it became, like, something tourists had to have? Oh, probably. Probably. I would assume so. See, because I also think that there is a thing about going on vacation where all of a sudden you're like, I give myself permission to now eat as much ice cream as I want, which, you know... Yeah, but, but, but gelato is a particular type of dessert, and, you know, in other places you would have something else. If you're in Germany, you're going to have a big slice of chocolate cake, you know? Right. That's true. That's if you're true. in France, you're going to have, I don't know, a croissant. Um... I think, I don't know the history of ice cream, so I can't, I can't go into, into detail, but I do know that what makes Italian ice cream different, especially if it's, if it's good ice cream, obviously, if it's good gelato, there are going to be some, there's a helicopter passing over my building, as happens like a da on a daily occurrence. Yeah, um, you're really experiencing to, uh, your, uh, to, your uh, atmospheric sounds at Tiffany's house because of this new mic. This, this mic that we're using loves to pick up a lot of things. Yeah. So. Yeah, you can probably hear the bees buzzing on my plants. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so in Italy, good, like, artisanal 
gelato is made in small batches and it is whipped for less time. Maybe because it's made in small batches, they don't have to whip it as much. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is that it doesn't have as much air in it because it doesn't get whipped as much. And the lower air content means it's denser and therefore it's richer and its flavor is fuller. And because of that, it doesn't require as much sugar. But the fat content is, I think, higher than like your typical American ice cream. So it's more fat, less sugar, more flavor. And then probably what makes the biggest difference of all is the ingredients used. They use, and again, I'm talking about good gelato shops, artisanal gelato shops. They use very, very fresh ingredients. And there's certain ice cream places in Rome that will only sell, like for example, if you want to get your cantaloupe flavored ice cream, which I adore, you can only get it when cantaloupes are ripe. You can't get it in the middle of winter, they just don't have it. And, uh, you know, that'll go the same for peaches and for, for, for um, blueberries or whatever type of fruit, sorbetto, you're, um, you're getting. And then, of course, the other flavors that are based on chocolate or nuts and things like that, those will be available all year. But nevertheless, they're using the very, very high quality ingredients. Okay. So those things make it different, make it better. So here's the thing. Obviously, Tiffany and I have spots in Rome that we really love that we revisit over and over and over again, right? And some of those are gelato places and some of those are pizza places and some of those are restaurants, which we can definitely tell you about. But I mean, sometimes those places by the time you get here won't exist. Sometimes they move. Uh, like, for instance, I tried to go to my favorite gelato place the other day, and it wasn't there anymore. Uh, so, you know, I guess it still exists in the city of Rome, but all of a sudden I'm sitting there going, well, <laughs> I guess I don't know where to go for gelato anymore. Is it almost more useful for us to say, like, how to recognize what a good gelato place would be rather than to give a specific name? We can give a specific name or two, but, like, maybe knowing how to recognize, like, what is a going to be a tourist trap gelato place versus a real one mm -hmm. well I, I will say there's a very good rule of thumb and that is like if you walk into an ice cream shop first of all if there's like 30 plus flavors i would i would skip that type of a place because there's no way that they have that many flavors using the fresh in season ingredients you know so i'd say that is a one one thing to look for like your your high quality gelateria generally have about i don't know 15 flavors something like that 12 to 15 another thing is some gelateria will pile up the ice cream really really high and they'll put all these like uh yeah like chocolate I, sprinkles on yeah, just yeah. and it, it it to me it looks so grotesque <laughs> and obscene really like it's just it just looks gross because i know what real quality high quality like actually good gelato looks like and it just looks you know like for example if you get banana gelato which is not a particular flavor that i would get but i've seen it it's gray it is not bright yellow it is gray because a banana if you smash it it turns gray it doesn't it's not bright yellow and a peach is not going to be the color of you know what you would call peach it's going to be pale pale yellow which is the true color of the inside of the peach and so that i would just say yeah watch out for really really bright colors like bright pink you know it only ice cream that's going to be a really bright color is maybe blueberry or raspberry even strawberry is a very 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 pale pink mm -hmm. and so look up for that look like avoid the big piles of whipped up ice cream they're not going to be the good stuff 
Yes, Derek and I went by a place that was by Piazza Navona the other day, and it said something like, now serving uh, 127 flavors or something like that. And Derek, we both started laughing, and, and Derek said, how many flavors are served at a Baskin-Robbins again? And I said, 31. And he's like, wow, that's a lot more. It is, yeah. And Baskin-Robbins, that seems like a lot. It seems like a lot, yeah. Um, okay, so... Before we leave it, though, so that we don't disappoint, what's the name of two great gelato places in Rome? Well, I mean, I'm going to give a couple more than two. Okay. So my personal favorite is San Crispino. They are very strict about their gelato. They keep it covered. Uh, it's not sitting out. You can't see it. It's got, a, like, a lid on it. Every single gelato is controlled at a different temperature. It, they're very, very picky. They don't serve cones. At least they didn't for a long time because they thought the cones interfered with the flavor of the ice cream. So San Crispino near the Trevi Fountain, and we will put in a newsletter the exact addresses of these places. So if you're not signed up for a newsletter, be sure to visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net, and sign up. Or send us an email, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com, saying that you want to be on the list. Yes. Uh, so that's probably my, my favorite, although their sizes have got small, gotten smaller, I've noticed. And their lines have gotten longer. But I will say that the one time recently, in recent memory, when I went to San Crispino and I ordered a lemon, there was a lemon seed in mm-hmm. my ice cream. So that's fresh. <laughs> yes, it's, ve- it's very fresh. Their stuff is very fresh. We always, when we go to Trastevere, we always go to La Fata Morgana, which is in San Cosimato. There, there is another gelateria right around the corner from there now, a new one that is, it's the popular place. It's the new kid on the block. It's where all the foodies go. It's where all the bloggers go. And it's called Otaleg, which is basically gelato spelled backwards. And there's always a line there. And I'm always like, I want to try Otaleg. I want to try Otaleg. But there's always this huge line. And I'm like, nah, let's just go to La Fata Morgana. La Fata Morgana is very good. And they have unusual combinations which I like, and they also it's also very artisanal, very good. But Otaleg's probably amazing, I assume, but I can't give you any personal. I think I've had, I think I've had something there one time, and it was very, very good. Okay. And then the other one I might suggest is, uh, since um, Susan asked particularly about fruits, I would say either San Crispino or there's another place in Trastevere called Fior di Luna, which is very, very simple, but when they have their, in the summer, they have very good, very fresh fruit flavors. Okay. Okay. And how about, I mean, I know you're not a big wine drinker. Do you have any thoughts on wine bars? Well, I mean, I know kind of a couple that I think are really lovely. Uh, One of them is L'Angolo di Vino, which is not far from Campo di Fiori. And like you said, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a wine connoisseur and I know what I like, but I, I could probably not be able to discern between a 20 euro bottle and a hundred euro bottle. You know, like Mm -hmm. I could tell between a two euro bottle and a 20 euro bottle for sure. But over 20, I'm probably not going to be able to tell the difference. Uh, So are you judging more by atmosphere? Yeah, exactly. Um, So you'll have to go with someone else if you want the super, super high quality. But L'Angolo Divino is, is really lovely. It's just tiny little corner place and there's just wine bottles all around. It's very cozy and romantic. And another place I like is called Il Piccolo, which is much more casual. It's kind of like a mess inside, and they've got wine bottles up too, but they've also just got like big boxes everywhere full of wine. But I love it because, first of all, it's also very cozy, and on a winter day, it's nice to hole up in there like if it's raining, but there also are a few seats outside, and it's a great spot for people watching because it's on Via del Governo Vecchio, and that street is just, uh, you know, there's always people, there's always movement on that street. So it's a great place to people walk, people watch, sorry. <laughs> and the third one I'd mention is probably um, 
I want to say it's called Il Gocciolo. I'm going to look that up, though. It'll be correct in the newsletter. It's on Via... It's on Via Monte, Mon, uh, Mon, Monserrato, I think. It's another one of those classic places that... It's kind of an institution in Rome, and it's pretty casual, and it's supposed to be very, you know, very good, so... Okay, so Susan, hopefully hopefully that helps. Now, widening it out, Darlene is just asking sort of for cool places to go, insider tips. Um, I love how she says, what are the best cafes in Rome? I'm like, the best? Like, the three, like, it's, a, it's an impossible question. Actually, I think I can help her out, uh, now that I've talked with her. Um, where is the best cafe where you can actually sit and work on a computer for a good part of the day? Because I think that that's what she's really looking for. I mean, that's not really a thing here. There are places that you can do it, but they're few and far between, and they will kick you out if they need the table. There's a place, I mean, there's that new uh, Santo Stacchio Cafe, which is on Via Campo Marzio, and that place serves Santo Stacchio coffee. If you go back and listen to um, my interview with Wendy Podgeman, we taped it from there, but it's, it's, it's got that kind of a setup, and I think they, they're kind of trying to prepare for the inevitable arrival of Starbucks. Starbucks has technically arrived in Rome, but it's only at the mall, like the big outlet mall outside of the city, so not in the center yet. But I think they're trying to hedge their bets and be like, we offer this too. So I think you can haul up there with a computer. It's pretty large. There's lots of tables. There's a number of places in Trastevere that you might be able to get away with that because there's so many American students. But I was at a place like that right around lunchtime, and I, I was eating. But there was a girl, like, right next to me, and she was working on her computer. I think she'd finished her whatever she had, her coffee or whatever. And they're like, we need this table for lunch, so move along. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, you can do it, but I don't know if you can do it all day. I think eventually, unless you're constantly ordering it's not really done here. Yeah, it's the real problem for the digital nomad that Italy's culture does not really allow for sitting around in cafes very much. I, I know, I feel like some of them, maybe this is wrong, but some of them can charge you a cover sometimes and they'll let you stay. I don't know. That maybe I don't I don't know anything about that. Could be. Okay, so what would you say are some of the great kind of insidery places? I mean... I am loathe to describe myself as an insider because I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of Rome's food scene. And I have friends who do, and there are blogs out there, like written by people who like, this is their passion and their life's work. And they, you know, go out into the city every weekend and discover all the big new places. And, and I don't do that. I mean, I have my places that I love that I've been going to for years. And that doesn't mean that I don't now and then discover a new place, generally through a friend or through a recommendation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have these places that are just so so dear to me, like Dar da Gildo in Trastevere is a place that is so close to my heart because I've been going there for, you know, since I've lived here, I've been going there for 15, 16 years. Claudia and I used to go there so often that when we decided to have our, you know, when we decided where to have our wedding rehearsal dinner, obviously Da Gildo, where else would we do it? So we had it there, we're friends with, you know, the staff and the owners and, you know, every time we're in Trastevere around lunchtime, we're like, oh, let's go eat at that Gildo. And we, we just love it there. And it might not be the best restaurant in Rome. I mean, it surely isn't. But it is good. And it, it's just a special place for us. I don't know if you have a place like that for you. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, though, because I was actually thinking that that's, that's like really the bigger, larger question when people are making recommendations is, is that Gildo might not actually, let's just say hypothetically, 
maybe they're not very good. But you have so many associations with them that are positive, that, you know, not just your wedding rehearsal dinner, but like first dates, second dates, third dates, you know, through years and years and years, you know, the owners, you can be more forgiving of a day when the, they don't cook as well as they did another day. You know, it just that's the thing about these places, We're recommending these places that we love because, you know, you might go there and think, oh, well. You know, I don't really get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, like I um, one of my favorite places in Seattle no longer exists. Unfortunately, the it was a Greek food restaurant. It was called the Continental and it was a very kind of cheap, almost dinery cafe that was run by this Greek family. The mother and father, matriarch, patriarch and their children ran and their grandchildren were often around ran this restaurant. And eventually the grandparents, the people who started it, decided to retire. And the kids decided that, you know, they'd been there, like their adult kids, their kids who were like in their 50s or 60s now, mm-hmm. right? That they'd been there their whole lives and that they were sort of ready to do something else. So when the parents retired, they just shut down the entire operation. Wow. But I mean, I, I loved them to the point, they also happened to be right by where I worked, which also when you recommend places, you know, I'm there all the time. <laughs> but anyway, so they were right by my work. I probably ate there two to three times a week, in part just to go say hello. It was the kind of place where if I didn't show up, the mother of the family would be like, what happened to you? You know, I'd come in and be like, have you been seriously ill? Like, what's going on? Where were you last week? And we had our rehearsal dinner there uh, for our guests. And, and I'm sure like some of the out of town guests were like, what is this like a bunch of pita bread and chopped up like vegetables you know <laughs> like well, why is this special um but it's so special because of the people like i i loved their food but it was very simple food bowls of lentil soup and pita breads and feta cheese you know it was nothing fancy olives yeah. and well, sometimes I w- those are the best places and honestly i think a lot of people want that type of place they they want the the, the traditional local place that's the food that the locals eat and of course, you're going to have people who want to have the fine dining, the gourmet experience, and that has its time and place, of course. But uh, I think most people, they really want to know that they're getting a slice of authenticity when they're traveling, when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, it's interesting because I don't know if Rome has a problem with roaches or things like that ever. But like in the area where my favorite Greek restaurant was is an area of Seattle um, that tends to have more roach problems. And when you love a place like that, if you see a roach go by on the floor, you just, you forgive it. You know, you just be like, I know I'm sure they're on top of this. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, it doesn't make you not go again. You know, whereas before you might be, if you didn't know this restaurant, you might be like, oh my gosh, Yelp review, one star, roaches everywhere or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, But... So anyways, a bit, but to this larger point, you and I have been sort of joking about, like, I'm, I'm back staying in Tristevere right now. And there are people in Tristevere lining up for restaurants that have been there, I don't know, since I've been living there, since well, we've been going there, right? I think that one that we're, we're thinking of, I think that is new-ish. There was a restaurant there, but it had a different name. Okay. And it okay. was extremely touristy. Uh, I think it was called Da Otello. It was like sort of on that street that leads from Santa Maria Trastevere to Piazza Sant'Egidio. It's always clogged with like ring sellers and stuff. It's right around the corner from there. And 
And that place was um, was always a very kind of not very good touristy restaurant with a guy out front trying to get you to come in. The name has changed. It's now called Tonarello. I don't know if the owners have changed, probably. But for whatever reason, it is the it place to go. It is in all the guidebooks, I suppose. It's, I mean, I'm assuming that Stanley Tucci has been talking about it because it is constantly got this massive line out in front, like constantly, every single day, lunch and dinner. I mean, maybe those people know something we don't know, but I don't really care to find out. Well, and, and willing to wait for hours, you know, yeah. not just well, a, like an hour. hour. Oh, yeah, hours. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Hours. Yeah, hours, I think so, yeah. Jeez. There's also a place um, called Buffetto, which is a pizzeria place, which I think has terrible pizza. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion, but I've eaten there before, and I was completely unimpressed. And people line up for Buffetto, which is also on Via del Governo Vecchio, and they'll line up there for like an hour and I'm just like why why it's not even good did you read about it in a magazine like why are you even here and you know Dar Poeta will get lines too I think Dar Poeta is much much better than than Buffetto but I still wouldn't wait in the line like I'd wait in like a 15-20 minute line if I was really really wanting to go to a certain place but that's about it for me I just don't care enough yeah, me too. Me too. And and it's funny for us to see these big long lines and not really know why. We're guessing like, okay, it must be Stanley Tucci or whatever. But I don't know. I've gotten to the point in my life where I feel like nothing is worth that long of a wait. No, no, but uh, but I mean, much. it also gets to that larger question. And maybe this is why you're asking us for recommendations because you don't want to end up in that line because you read about it in some magazine. I get it. But but don't you feel like so much of whether a place strikes you as good or bad has so much to do with a lot of little things coming together like I was mentioning to you before we started taping that if it's been a, a, a very hot day but we we had the most wonderful time touring around like we saw this amazing palazzo you know we had a couple great laughs and so <laughs> I don't know we just had like the most amazing day and it's hot and we sit down at a random outdoor cafe and they bring us a nice cold drink and we're in a great mood we might think that that place is the best place we've ever been to and what a wonderful time we had there and what I'm going to recommend it to all of my friends and sometimes I think a place is just special because of who you are when you arrive at that place and and it just happens to have service good enough that you're not like (laughs) well you know I can actually get a drink here which is you know important in Rome sometimes but do you know what I mean like sometimes it really has so little to do well I mean I, I I get what you're saying and I think that's true in some cases but I think I think when it comes to food, I think you there's you cannot you cannot masquerade bad food. And I'm not a foodie, but I I can recognize it's like the wine. It's like I I can't recognize the difference between 20 and 100, but I can totally recognize the difference between 2 and 20. And so I know bad wine when I taste it and I know bad food when I taste it. Sure. And you can't fake it. Uh, you know, it's either going to be good even if it's simple and good or it can be really really bad and with Claudio I have even more of a of an anchor because I don't know if anchor is the right word but I have a more you know a more of a compass because he has grown up eating Italian food and so he really has an understanding of like what a carbonara should taste like mm-hmm. and this is not a good carbonara for example um, and we went uh, when the first day my mom was in Rome we uh, you know you heard the episode we went and met them and had a really was a big surprise and then we went out to eat and it was Good Friday and it was the city was absolutely packed and overrun and extremely hot and I was just like I need we need a place like nearby we were all tired I don't it was Claudia and I had stayed up until one the night before two waiting for them to come in they were up you know the same yeah. flying all night so I'm like we got to find a place that's close and it's easy 
and I found this place on a str on the street, you know, and I knew I was like, this is, looks touristy, but what are we gonna do? And we sat down, and Claire's like, oh, the pizza looks okay. You know, we're looking at the other people's tables. The pizza looks like it might be okay. We sat down. My mom and I ordered cacio e pepe, worst cacio e pepe I've ever had, and even she was like this is not good. I was like, there's no salt in this pasta, like zero. Like they forgot, I, they must've forgotten to put the salt in. Claudio's was also very mediocre. I think someone had a pizza that was okay, but it was just like, ah, God, what's wrong with me? Like I live here, I shouldn't be falling into tourist traps like this. And sometimes it happens to me and I hate it when it happens. And yeah. I'm like, I understand why people want to prepare before they come. And so, you know, ideally in every neighborhood, you've got at least one go-to place that you know is good. That's true. And that is the luxury of living in a place for a while, is you have your one spot or Except your two spots. you apparently don't have a one spot near the Spanish Steps. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. I can't think of a single spot by the Spanish well, Steps. I do know a couple, actually. Mar um, Babette, mm -hmm. which is where we ended up going for breakfast one day. Babette is wonderful. It's on Via Marguta. And another one on the, like right across the street is Il Marguta, which is a, a vegetarian restaurant. And both of those are very good, but they're a little pricey. You know, if you're looking for just like a quick lunch place and you don't want to spend a ton, it's I think that neighborhood can be really hard. Mm -hmm. Whereas Trastevere, it's easy to find that quick, that quick, easy, cheap place. And yeah. I'd say Dagildo. But there's more. There's lots of other good I ones. I like Alfrate di Trastevere. Right. Alfrate di Trastevere. Is that it? I can it's never remember exactly what it's called. I think it's Alfrate. And you took me there once. I'd never been there. It looks totally touristy from the outside. And the decor is really tacky. It's wild. <laughs> the the inside of the, of the restaurant is just plastered with painting. You know, it's like yeah. it's like the royals used to do, where you just plaster every single wall with like yeah, all your like fine the, art. Like the Bay of Naples, I want to say, is like painted onto <laughs> no, the wall. The Spanish Steps. Oh, it's the Spanish Steps. Even worse. But it also like if you go down to the basement, it's full of witches and like clowns. No, it's like it's like witches and christmas decorations it's just bizarre bizarre yeah, but i gotta tell you i've only eaten there once so with good. you it was so good it's so good. It was so good oh another good place is mediterraneo which is southern italian cuisine and it's like i just thought of it because i think it's on the same street and uh, and that place is very very good and very reasonable and then for a little bit pricier interest i love la taverna di trilusa which is where claudia and i went on our first date and i just Love it, but not just for that reason. It's so good. There's an entire page just for mozzarella. And then another one I love in Trastevere is Spirito Divino. And we're going to leave it there, but, but we did give away on our bonus episode, or one of our bonus episodes for the month of May, we did give away the very best and only restaurant to eat at if you're up by the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Literally the only place that's any good. That's well, I mean, <laughs> the only place we've found that's any good. We're talking miles above everything that surrounds it. It's hidden amongst so many restaurants that are exactly what you described, eating with your mother that first time. And you can't find out about it unless you become a regular donor to the show. So give, if you're interested in this show, if you love this show, uh, if you have uh, $5 a month that you want to donate, join or us. More. Or more, please. <laughs> There's no yeah. limit. <laughs> if you have more... It would be much appreciated. As I mentioned, my microphone is broken <laughs> and we will be needing to buy something new. But join us on Patreon. There are links in the show notes. You can also send a regular monthly donation through PayPal. There are links in the show notes for that as well. Or you can go to thebittersweetlife.net and we really do appreciate it. Yes, we do. We definitely do. And thank you so much for all of your questions and suggestions and all of you who wanted us to do an episode like this. 
hopefully this was somewhat satisfying. Yeah, and, and sign up for the newsletter to get some the addresses of these places and maybe a couple more I'll throw in. Right. And we don't, by the way, ever spam you. No, <laughs> it's basically no, no. just the monthly newsletter. Okay? And sometimes it doesn't even get out every month. Yeah. <laughs> Lately, not so much. <laughs> Lately, it's been every other month. Yeah. But we try. We try. Okay. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. The Bittersweet Life is created and produced by me, Katie Sewell. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If you're traveling to Rome this summer, set up a tour with Tiffany by writing to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Our intern this summer is Allison Kramer. We will be hitting the streets of Rome on the podcast all summer long, so if you know anyone who loves Italy, tell them about the show and recommend that they subscribe. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, featuring the art of our muse, Caravaggio. If you support the show, either through Patreon or PayPal, you will receive a handwritten thank you note in the mail and our logo on a magnet. It's just what your fridge or car bumper is missing. Listener support is vital to the continuation of this show. If listening has become a valued part of your week and you have the means... Help us pay the bills by throwing a 5 or a 10 or a 20 in the hat, just as you would if you saw a street performer in Rome that you really love. You can find links to donate in the show notes or at thebittersweetlife.net. And my thanks to Drew Atkins for helping design the new website.